Welcome everyone to Plugged and Unplanned. It's Tony Nash back with you again. I'm the CEO of Booktopia and I'm very, very excited today. I know I'm often excited, but today I'm excited. I have Margie Worrell with me, the author of You've Got This, best-selling author of Train the Brave, Stop Playing Safe and Make Your Mark. I can assure you this is going to be a positive session. Welcome to the show, Margie. It is awesome to be with you, Tony. And uh, an Aussie accent there, we know, but you're actually not in Australia. You're, you're not part of the Aussie lockdown at the moment. So just tell us about <laughs> yourself for those that, um, that don't know you yet. Obviously, you've got a big fan base. You're a su successful author, but um, tell us your story a little. Yeah, yeah. No, I, well, I, I have had my, I have had prolonged lockdowns in the last 12, 18 months when a lot of Aussies weren't doing lockdown at all, but I was in Singapore doing a long one and then I moved to the United States. So I'm currently living literally across the river from Washington, D.C. in Northern Virginia, the United States, and uh, have been living here for what, six, seven months. Um, this is my second stint living in the U.S. So it was an interesting time to land here. Um, but yes, as my accent gives away. I am um, born and raised in, in the land down under. Um, actually, I grew up on a small dairy farm in East Gippsland in rural Victoria. And uh, so still have family there, still feel very much like a country girl that's just <laughs> living wild. <laughs> Can I ask you about that then? That's interesting. So so when you think about the country girl living uh, in Victoria and the teachers, the your friends and and back to that girl and they they think about you and they go how the hell did margie end up being like a a best-selling author and and traveling the world um uh, making people be have a better mindset i mean what do they say do they go they scratch their heads and go i can't believe it or were you always kind of the chatterbox in school and destined to be um you know going breaking out of out of country Victoria and traveling the world? I think, well, it's probably a bit of both, Tony. I was definitely a chatterbox in school, but I I think, and many people would have said, oh yeah, she's probably not going to hang around in the small rural community where I grew up. But by the same token, I think there's people who also scratch their heads. I think even my parents sometimes go, wow, um, <laughs> I didn't just leave the country. I mean, the country of, of area, I kind of left the country and I've spent a lot of time living in different countries around the world, including Papua New Guinea. And um, so I think it's a, been fueled partly by a sense of adventure, um, curious, a curious mind, but also I've taken a lot of steps outside my comfort zone. I, I, you know, I obviously, I write about stop playing safe, find your courage, you know, make your mark. You've got this, but I've, I've really, I do feel like I've walked my talk many, many times. And um, despite the little voice in my head going, who the hell do you think you are to write a book, to um, you know, have a business to 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 do. Actually, honestly, so many of the best things I've ever done. There's a. It's all been in defying that little voice in the back of my head that's saying, you know, who do you think you are? So you've got a new book out. You've got this, and and you've got a bunch of others. Stop playing safe and 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 so forth. So, what is it about this new one? Um, what what kind of uh, line of of thinking and and is it? Is it kind of COVID related of, um, or is it, is it just, you know, a book for the ages yeah. in terms well, of? Well, actually, 
to be honest, Tony, I've actually got sort of two books out. I've got, <laughs> I've got, you've got this, which came out last year, just as the wheels were starting to fall off the world in March 2020. Um, but actually, Stop Playing Safe is a book I wrote 10 years ago, and that is coming out, uh, what, in August 2021. Um, really, I just fully updated it over COVID. So, so, so two sort of books that are fairly new to obviously within 12 months of each other kind of getting out into the world, one being a, an updated edition of one that already existed. But but you've got this. I just want to touch on you've got this. You've got this was is my fifth book. And I've had a really disruptive few years. Before COVID came along, My I felt like the rug had been pulled out from beneath me um, and then the floor beneath that in terms of just impact on my family. I'd, I'd been, my husband works for, or had worked for a big international company that, to be honest, really jerked our family around and had us moving around the world. And while I enjoy moving around the world, when you've got four teenage kids, having them literally dispersed across multiple continents is not how anyone wants to manage raising kids. Um, and I found myself in exactly that situation, which was really extremely difficult. Um, and then the pandemic came along, which made it even harder because in March last year, my husband actually got COVID while he was visiting our kids in the US, landed back in Singapore, got put into hospital for a month, um, all in the same time that Singapore closed its borders. I had kids in the US that found themselves sort of semi-homeless. Um, and ironically enough, my book, You've Got This, came out at the same time. Um, so talk about an opportunity to have to... <laughs> have to follow my own advice which was to trust myself that I've got this even though it was like holy moly you know it just felt pretty overwhelming at the time um but but you've got this is a book that I wrote because I meet so many people as I've traveled around and obviously traveled a lot less in the last 12 18 months but who who really struggle with believing that they have the ability to do whatever it is that inspires them in their life or to change the things that don't. And so often that little voice of doubt, like my own one that says, who the hell do you think you are or you're not good enough or you're going to fail or you're, you're going to mess this up, so often that little voice sits in the driver's seat and I, I think it holds so many people back and keeps them settling and living smaller lives than they're capable of living. And, and that makes me sad because <laughs> I, I really believe that every single one of us has within us the ability to create a meaningful and rewarding life, even when shit happens, uh, despite that, actually because of that sometimes, and that, um, and that if we can operate from a place of self-trust, you know, just really believing that we have everything it takes to meet whatever challenges life throws at us, that it really transforms our experience of just being alive. And and so if we, okay, so you've got two books, that's interesting. So it's, um, is there one uh, that one should read before the other then? Um, if if someone's listening to this now and they're going, oh, I've just found out about Margie, all right, that sounds like it's yeah. it's going to be the right um, yeah. right medication for me right now to read her books. And you um, you've got this is very much written for people in their personal life, uh, written for the individual who sometimes really struggles with self-doubt, really wants to have more confidence and to back themselves more um, when it comes to making a change. And um, I think it's very relevant for a lot of people, particularly given the massive disruption of this pandemic. Um, 
how it's just left a lot of people just feeling like the ground's just been pulled out from underneath them. So I would definitely recommend you've got this as a book for people, anyone who's sort of struggling just to have confidence in themselves and their future. Mm-hmm. Um, and Stop Playing Safe is, is a book that is really definitely written for people in, in, in terms of their professional lives and anyone who is operating in a workplace environment or professionally, career-wise, wants to do something big um, or once is in a role where they want to embolden other people around them and they want to figure out what risks to take. So it's really about navigating the many risks that we have to navigate as we go through life. And it's definitely a bit more of a workplace context, but also in, but, but written obviously since the pandemic happened, because I think that's just magnified our, our sensitivity to risk um, and people have become even more cautious Um, And while obviously there's reasons to be cautious and there are legitimate threats out there, I think I see a lot of people, Tony, who are overcautious. And, you know, you've built up a big business with Booktopia and I think you wouldn't have done that if you were, if you didn't weren't willing to take a risk. And so that way, so I really, I really, anyone who's sort of like, you know, wants to figure out what risks to take and look at it through that lens, it's a, that's, that's Stop Playing Safe is a really good book for that. Mm. And you just triggered something for me because I was at an event um, recently, uh, I forget where actually, but I was talking to this lady and she said, you know why there's more men um, who are who are in business and, and, and kind of successful in business? And this is her words directly to me. She, I said, well, why, you know, why? And what, what, what do you think? And she said, look, men take more risks than women. And it's like, hmm. I never really thought about that before. And given that this is your area of expertise and you, mm-hmm. you, you observe that. Um, and it, you know, I pondered over it for, for later on as well, just thinking about, is that, is that right? Um, and maybe men are more reckless. Um, we don't mind losing everything. Uh, women perhaps have more sense of the future and what that, what today beholds for the future. And I'm just curious, mm-hmm. given you, you've obviously written about this and, yeah. I met a lot of men and women. What's your thoughts around that? <laughs> yeah, I do a lot of work in the in the realm of um, women and leadership, actually. So uh, when it comes to risk-taking women, I'm more cautious. They're also, you could say, they make, they do fewer reckless things. I mean, women are less likely to end up with spinal injury because they're less likely to do something for the adrenaline hit, you know, that like that real risk-taking behaviour, the skydiving, all of that um, I think, honestly, I think, you know, part of it's obviously there's the nature-nurture debate, but uh, nature-nurture debate, but I, I absolutely do believe that um, men are more comfortable taking risks and how much of that is because of our social conditioning. We could debate till the cows come home. But absolutely, men are more willing to take risks. Men have a stronger, higher levels of bravado associated, obviously, a lot more with men than women. And that can work for us and against us. But I, I, I do believe men are more willing to just put themselves out there and, and wing it and just go, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to work, but let me give it a go. And, of course, sometimes it doesn't land and sometimes it does. Um, and I remember years ago I, I got to interview Richard Branson. Um, I got invited to his island. It was a tough gig. And uh, and interview him on the night, I, that I, the night after I got there. And I, he was sharing how, you know, early on in his you know, building up the Virgin Empire, 
he had like a third mortgage on his home. And I just remember thinking, oh, my God, there's no way known I would be comfortable with having a third mortgage on my home. <laughs> like I just wouldn't be willing to take that level of risk. Yet he was. Um, not all of his risks paid off, but obviously plenty did. And so so I do think there is there is actually a gendered element to it. Um, and, um, and, yeah, as I said, you know, that can, it can have its pros and its cons, but I really believe that. It's the risks that we don't take that often cost us the most. Yeah, it's the false, and, that false kind of sense of, of like stopping someone from doing something. It could be that there's that, that, that false evidence and therefore you've got to be able to kind of crack open that a little. I guess that's what your book is is yeah. encouraging your people to your readers to explore yeah put yourself i mean obviously t obviously take the chance i would always i mean i can't so many times i've said to people you know you've got this take the chance you know what's the worst thing that can happen and you know what really thinking through i mean sometimes the worst thing you know that can happen is it can be something that's really big most of the time what's the worst thing that happened your boss says no the worst thing that happened is you got rejected. I mean, they didn't want to go out on a second date. <laughs> What's the worst thing that could happen? That you don't absolutely nail the job, but actually chances are you're going to do a pretty good job. So so, um, so often we we hold back. And I, I think there's a bunch of like cognitive biases that we have, but we often tend to overestimate the chances of things going wrong. We focus more on what could go wrong. And I think particularly women, we underestimate ourselves um, and we don't put ourselves in the shoes of us. You know, we imagine, we, we can imagine how we'll feel if we try it and it doesn't work out. We'll go, oh, I feel like such a, such a loser, you know, that'll be terrible. But we're not so good at putting ourselves in the shoes of the future, us five years from now or 10 years from now and asking ourselves, yeah, but how will I feel if I don't do this? You know, and it's the chances that we don't take at the end of life that people regret the most. Um, and I, I've got four kids and I, re I remember very clearly, uh, you know, I'm one of seven kids, so I always love the idea of having a big family. And then I had three and you're like, heck, it's a lot of work. I had three little kids and I'd mo just moved to the United States and I was feeling pretty stretched. And I had zero, I had no role models of women who had big families and careers. I didn't know any. They were out there. I just didn't know any. And um, and I remember doing this exercise, this vision exercise. I'd just sort of been changing career path. I'd gone back. I'd studied psychology. I was training to be a coach. And I imagine what what was my ideal life a decade from from this time. I was like thirty two or something like that. And and in my mind's eye, like popped up so clearly, my husband Andrew and I and and four kids' faces. And I just remember kind of slapping myself going, no way, not four. I'm like so stretched with three. And at that point, I mean, we didn't have any help. I just moved country. I had zero support system. And here I am wanting to start a whole new career path and, and you know, thinking about fourth. And I just remember going, oh, my God, how will I do it? But I got really clear that a decade out, I would regret if I didn't at least give it the possibility and at least give this a chance. And I've actually had five miscarriages along the way to my three kids. And so I was mindful that you don't always say I'm going to have a baby and you have a baby. But I thought, I actually think I'm really going to regret it if I don't at least allow the possibility. And, and 12 months later, my, my youngest um, son, Matthew, 
was born and he was like, I was hoping for a quiet little girl that would, you know, sit in the corner and draw pictures or something. And I got like Rambo, you know, shot wild child. But I share that with you because it wasn't easy. It was a bloody big juggling act, juggling four kids and starting a business in a new country. But I but I am so glad I did do that. And um, and I just think of most of the best things I ever did were freaking scary. They stretched me. I fumbled. I, I fell. And um, but I also grew. And and I think for so many people, I say, you know, you, you're capable of more than you think. You don't have to know, figure it all out before you start. If there's something that inspires you, if it kind of tugs on your heartstrings a bit, if you just kind of go, you know, I just I just want to do this, something's just pulling me in that direction. Well, then I just I really believe that's not that's not an accident. And I'll like listen to that and um, and trust yourself that you you'll figure it out as you go along. So if I think I'm looking at your um, table of contents now, and and so I don't like to give anything away to the to the person who's listening, I want you to go out and buy the book in any bookshop or online, Booktopia or anywhere else, please go out and buy Margie's book. But um, I'm looking through the some of the chapter headings and you've got two here, Dear Women and Dear Men. And it says, Dear Women, stop selling yourself short and talking yourself down. And Dear Men, your greatest strength is found in vulnerability. Um, so when you when you think about those two chapters and also just the rest of the book, um, and some of the things that you're talking about in terms of uh, giving people um, the the kind of the information, the nuggets. Do you, do you see your your work and what what a reader would get as a kind of a, a roadmap to try and navigate your way through to whatever you're dreaming of, or is it more um, these kind of nuggets of information that you just need to have with you and hold on to, so you can then have all the the courage and the and the confidence to to get what you want how do you see it do you see it both or do you see it um more about yeah. just um, yeah you know what you've got this is is really 12 principles to to live by and and while those two chapters were written for women for men actually men and women would get value from both of them women our, our strength lays in vulnerability too it's just so i there is not the same shame and the same social norms around women being vulnerable to the extent that there are for men, um, particularly in a masculine sort of culture like Australia, um, but 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 across the board. Um, so you've got this is very much sort of wisdom to live by and to guide you forward, whereas Stop Playing Safe actually is, is more of the roadmap. It's sort of like <laughs> chapter one, know your why. I'm not going to say the rest because you don't want to give it away, but it actually guides people through a kind of more of a step-by-step process to, to really getting um, to stepping bravely into action. Mm. Um, and I and I and I think that they I mean, obviously people are going to go, oh, which one do I want to buy? And I'm not trying to like say buy both. I mean, I will say buy both, but but I would just say. Honestly, it starts with getting your head in the right mindset. And so often, um, and that's where I think you've got this sort of speaks to the heart where people are just sort of needing that encouragement to even just think about where is it that I am selling myself short? Um, Where is it that I am letting my doubts dictate my life and my future? And and I believe we so often give way too much power away to those negative voices in our head. Um, and we treat them like they're the truth and they're not the truth. They're just these stories we've bought into for so long we've forgotten that they're stories. Mm. 
when you when you meet people and you start to let's just say prod and provoke them or ask great questions of them to to see whether they're um up for it because it's hard to know it kind of feels like you need to be at the rock bottom or just at that point where you you're trying to find your way out of out of the cave system to get back into the light versus feeling like you're heading down and no matter what someone says or put an arm around their shoulder whatever they just they're going they're on a downward spiral they just can't seem to to um pivot kick out of that and and get out do you do you get a feel for where someone's at and therefore they're ready to kind of latch on and 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 use the information yeah no it's a really good question tony because i mean obviously i'm sure you i'm sure anyone listening to this can think of people they know who you go it doesn't have to be their their experience of life doesn't have to be the way it is but if we get a payoff if we all we, we humans may do stupid things but we always do it for a reason and there's a there's a payoff that people get from even buying into stories that leave them feeling filled with self-pity and like a victim and very attached to their problems there are a lot of people who are really attached to their problems and attached to their pain because even our pain can give us a sense of significance at times like it may be in, a, in an unhealthy unhealthy just self-destructive way but it still does it so I know when I've talked to people, I mean, obviously by the time someone has talks to me and I mean, I, I, I only do a small amount of coaching these days, but um, you know, they're owning, I've got a problem and I don't I, this pain is not worth it. But sometimes, you know, the pain of staying where you are has to become greater than the pain of changing because it's change is hard. Change is uncomfortable. Um, and so when someone's in a state of complaint and being miserable, I'm just like, how's it working for you? I mean, do you want to stick with this? Cause because by all means, that's your choice. If you want to stay miserable, just, just own that that's your choice. Um, and I often draw on an experience growing up with my dad. He's a milk cow, as I said, for 50 years, we had a rusty little tin boat and we'd go out fishing sometimes and in the Gippsland lakes. And um, sometimes the rusty tinny would crack, you know, spring a leak and dad would get a minty or blue tack or something and plug these leaks but I remember a few times he'd say, oh, you know, boats don't sink because of the water around them. They sink because of the water that gets in them. And I get that sometimes life is just hard. And right now, I mean, you're in Sydney, you're in this prolonged lockdown. I've got a lot of friends there, homeschooling kids. Sometimes life is just hard. I mean, days can be long and hard and onerous. But at the end of the day, the conditions of our life don't have to, you know, around us don't have to dictate how we how we feel on the inside. They can they can impact it, but we have to take ownership of our experience of life. And and you know sometimes that's hard and own that. But I think too often we let our circumstances define our experience, and it doesn't have to be that way. And so. I, that's why I just really believe that power of choice. What Viktor Frankl, I, I love his quote, and I, and I know I've shared it in, in, and you've got this, that, you know, our, our last and greatest freedom is the power to choose, you know, the space between stimulus and response is our, where our power lies. How do we choose to respond in those moments of life that test us the most? Because I think that's where um, I know myself, I've had plenty of really tough moments. My family, we've had some tragedies and struggles and heartaches. And 
they've been really painful, but I also know that every one of them, you can use it for good in some way if you're intentional about using it for good and and growing from it and becoming a better person from it, a more empathetic person, a more compassionate person, um, and so and more intentional in how you live your life. And so I think right now many people are being tested in just that way and and we all have the ability to rise above our challenges. I don't believe any challenge is so big that we cannot rise above it sometimes we just have to change the way we're looking at it Mm. when i think about what you're talking about for myself because a lot of people would say that i'm very positive i'm not a glass half full or glass half empty person i'm a glass full like because i just choose it to be full um and and look at life that way so um it to me it feels like it's a learned skill what you're talking about here and the more that you practice um that kind of you can't, I, I, you can't even call it positive thinking. It, you got to call it. You got to call it something else. It's almost like active thinking or uh, ways of of looking for the the best in something to navigate your way through. You know, give me a hurdle and I'll jump over it. You know, bring it on. If you want me to, oh, I'm trying to achieve that. Well, and you threw that at me. Well, okay, I wasn't expecting that, but I'm I'm ready to jump over that and and continue to to my goal. Um, do you do you feel that it's something that um, practice um helps you to yeah. to deal with well, as things come up because stuff's come up for you and because you're teaching it or you're you're coaching yeah. it you're you're sharing it then when things get thrown at you do you find that you're actually also just you're getting through yeah. it a little easier yeah you know absolutely i am not immune to all of the negative thoughts <laughs> i'm not immune to finding myself you know starting to throw my own little pity party but i'm i'm a lot quicker at catching it now because I'm better at observing my own thinking going Margie you're throwing yourself a little pity party how's that working for you you know like seriously you know getting stuck in negative comparisons oh look what I'm dealing with and other people aren't dealing with it yada 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 um so I definitely have got faster at catching it and so I don't end up going in this big downward spiral and and I think there's actually science that shows, you know, we've all got the little, you know, the little pathways in our brain, right? And the more often we think a thought, you know, the neurons that fire together wire together. So the more often you think a thought and then that always creates and amplifies some emotion for better or worse, you know, maybe it's optimism or maybe it's self-pity or blame or anger or maybe it's ambition and gratitude. Um, and just recognizing the more often you walk down any pathway, you know, the bigger it turns into a freeway after a while. But that doesn't mean, I mean, neuroplasticity, we know that we we have the ability to develop new habits and, and, and of ways of thinking and relating to the world. And does that take practice? Yeah, it takes a lot. I have to I have, I have to practice all the time. And I've got a bunch of things that I do and tools and I and I share this and you've got this. You know, whether it's journaling, um, whether it's, um, you know, reading things that just help remind me of of the truth and, um, you know, reading even books like my own. I actually read out some of you've got this on my Instagram and Facebook yesterday. It was a manifesto and you've got this. And I read it out and I've, I read it out like 18 months ago, but I was like, I just think people need to hear this. But even reading it out reminds me of the truth that, you know, the answers I'm looking for and the security I want, it's inside me. It, no one else is going to solve my problems. I am really the, the captain of my ship, you know, the master of my fate. And, and so 
just for anyone listening who might find themselves continually stuck in these negative thought loops, I would say, you know, just embrace your own humanity. That is what it is to be human. But know that you are, it's not helpless. And there are things you can do to help yourself. And and I I think at the foundation of all self-help lays self-compassion and just embracing your own humanity with a bit of kindness and going, you know what, I'm figuring it out and I'm falling and I'm fallible. Um, And talking to yourself with love, you know, what would the most loving being say to me right now? And, uh, And starting from that place, and I think it was Mandela that once said, you know, we're all just walking each other home. We're all figuring it out. None of us have got it fully figured out. No one ever fully arrives. And I sure haven't. <laughs> but but I, as I've fumbled my way along, you know, two steps forward, one step back at times, I have learned that there are really universal truths and principles and you know that we draw from from you know from spiritual wisdom and and that also now with with we know with science we can actually sort of verify that can just help us to to live more meaningful lives and happier lives where we suffer less Mm, can i ask something then because what when you were talking about that uh, just in that that last piece um i thought of the kids and and what age does your book start to really kind of get traction um, for, for younger teenagers? Is it more um, we read it, we demonstrate um, in the world how to think and talk this way, which then is, I hate to use the word, a bit contagious, a bit of a, can we, can we create a courage pandemic or can we create yeah, a, yeah. Um, you know, like, and so, so do the kids just need to see you demonstrating it, which then, um, because that's when we form all these kind of yeah. negative thoughts and and belief systems. Oh, and- I absolutely think, as a parent, um, it's our responsibility and obligation to role model the kind of mindset we want to encourage in our children. So if we're sitting there and complaining and bitching and throwing the pity party, etc., I mean that's 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 what our kids are learning, right? They're just going to follow suit. I mean they don't always watch. They don't always do what we say, but they always watch what we do and they hear and they and they do pick up on that. Um, and that also includes having self-compassion. And, and like I say to my kids that whenever I mess up, which is, you know, fairly regularly lost the keys, you know, lost my temp, you know, griped at my husband, whatever. And I'm like, I'm, I always apologize. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I've fallen down. I apologize. And I own it um, and pick myself up and move on because I, no one's perfect. But when it comes to actually for a book like actually you've got this, which has got so much in it that I think children would get enormous value from. Kids aren't about to sit down and read it. Most kids aren't about to sit down and read a book like that. You know, most 13-year-olds, unless they're a completely voracious reader. But I have had so many people say to me that they've got a lot and then they'll share a paragraph or they'll share a quote or they'll share a story and with their kids, just a little tiny digestible bite-sized pieces. You know, I read this today, or I, I heard this, or what do you think of this? And and I think kids will just take in a little tiny bit at a time, a little bit at a time. I mean, that's how I've tried to raise raise my own kids um, who are um, growing into pretty awesome young adults, you know, figuring it out. But, but deep roots, strong wings is sort of my motto. And 
Um, and, you know, and I think as, as, as kids go out into the world and right now they're dealing with obviously a lot of pressures that we didn't deal with as teenagers, you know, the, the age of social media and the pressure of that 24-7, you know, they need a lot of tools in order to navigate that. And, uh, and you know, as I particularly have my daughter, I remember over the years saying, you know, who you are, your worth is, compl- is, is irrelevant to how many people like your Instagram posts <laughs> or how many followers you have or how many whatever, you know, those measures are on TikTok or Snapchat or whatever it is these days um, because it's very easy for them to get caught up with measuring their self-worth by whether it's, you know, how they look or how many people follow them or like them, et cetera. And, um, and I think we have to make sure we're role modelling that, that our, our worth is not defined by those external measures. I agree. I agree. So you've got the new and updated edition of Stop Playing Safe coming out um, in a um, short while. So we may as well talk a little bit about that since, since we're together now. When you look back at the the one that you wrote all those years ago and today, have you seen things shift? You you did a revision of it. So is that just yeah. you evolving or is that all of us and the the world moving on? Uh, look, I, I wrote that book actually um, because I felt that so many people don't take risks and that was, what, nine, ten years ago. But I felt really compelled to rewrite it um, in the last 12 months because of the pandemic, I really think it's just ratcheted up the fear factor to a whole new height. I mean, I was living in Singapore, now I'm in the US, but I have a lot of family and friends in Australia. And I just see so many people afraid of everything and um, and sometimes not able to assess legitimate, discern legitimate risks and threats from illegitimate ones, or they just all get, they all just get thrown in together um, and just living way too safely. So one, I updated it because I'm actually a better writer <laughs> and I think it's a, a far more readable book now. Um, I've just got better at writing, having written, that was my second book and, you know, I, I, I'm a better writer. So I really wanted to write a book I thought would be a more readable book. Um, but the concepts, the backbone of it was really solid. I just felt it could be presented in a more readable, accessible way and updated for the context of COVID times. Um where our lives have been totally turned on their head and a lot of people are like craving certainty and predictability. And yet, you know what? We've never had certainty. We like to think we have, but we've never. Life is uncertain inherently. It's just felt a whole lot more uncertain and unpredictable um, in the last 18 months. But but it's gonna. we're never going to get certainty. If all you're doing is chasing certainty, you're going to have a really small life. And so the more we can get comfortable with the discomfort of uncertainty, um, the more it frees us up to to make smart decisions and move forward in our lives, in our work, in our businesses, in our careers, running whatever you might be running, um, it, and make smarter decisions. Because if you're trying to have every duck lined up in a row before you make a call or venture out there, you're going to wait way too long. Mm. I, um, something just popped into my head then, so I'll just share it. Certainty, the word certainty definitely lies within the word uncertainty. So it's just a journey to go from the uncertain into the certain. It's always there. Um, but, I'm going to just sh- share with the listeners because we did. you just uh, did mention a couple of other, or that you've written a number of books. So I've got them up here in front of me on our website, Brave, 
make your mark, train the brave, uh, find your courage. And then of course, the two that we've been talking about, stop playing safe and you've got this. So quite a collection. You're, you're well, I, I, I should just mention there that train the brave and brave are, Train the Brave came out as part of a book collection with Wiley and it's the same as Brave. So you don't need to buy Train the Brave and Brave. Um, It's it's part of a series. It's part of, it was your Be Your Best Self series with Wiley and it got a a name change, yep. Oh, sweet. Great. Well, you're you're starting to build it up. There's There's plenty more where that came from. No wonder my eyesight's gone. When I wrote Stop Playing Safe, I could see and I didn't need to wear glasses. And now here I am 10 years later and, you know, if I'm trying to write anything on my computer, I need to wear glasses. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, part of um, um, age and for most of us, uh, me included. So, so we've talked about the books. Is there anything within the book or um, the other books that, that we haven't talked about that you wanted to kind of share with the listeners today? Oh, look, you know, there's so many concepts that I've shared in across all of the different books. And um, obviously the thread that runs through all my work is, is the thread around mastering fear and becoming more courageous in how we work and live and love and lead. And that's just a common thread. And, I, and obviously I, I share my own stories and, and research and what have you in there. But I, I think... I think if anything, uh, the, the key the key message that I would convey to anyone listening, regardless of ever if you ever buy one of my books or not, of course I would love you to, but but is is really just to sometimes stop and get present to um, the choices you're making in life and whether they're moving you towards something that ultimately you're toward creating a life that you're going to be really glad you lived and. And I just, I just see so many people kind of stuck in this sort of autopilot mode, living by default, just going through the motions, just doing more of what they've done before because that's familiar and that's comfortable, not because it lights them up, not because it, you know, it taps into um, a sense of passion or purpose. And um, and I just think we're honestly we're we're on a, we're all on a terminal adventure, Tony. We're all gonna die, and that can sound like this morbid statement. But it's the truth. We are all going to die. And uh, I just think, you know, you get one crack at life. Um, and so just live a life that that, it, that inspires you. And it doesn't matter whether you achieve your, all your goals or not. Actually, that's frankly is beside the point. What matters is that you're working toward things that are meaningful to you. And that when you get out of bed in the morning that you're like, you're excited and inspired by your day. And if, if every day you just look at, you just look at it and go, oh, ugh, then, you know, life's way too precious to be um, staying on that path. Mm. So we're getting close towards the end. And uh, I, always, I always say, and when I do my keynotes, that uh, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of the questions that you ask. So uh, given the, the area of expertise that, you've focused on and you're inspiring people. Um, it's your chance to ask me, the CEO of Booktopia, is there, what, what would you ask me that then uh, the listeners can actually go, that's a really good question. Uh, I could ask that of myself or I could ask that of others. So um, what, what do you want to unpick? If you, 
Well, I'm curious to know if you could um, whisper in the ear of the 20-year-old Tony, which, I'm, I, which I, I get it was only a few years ago, but if you could whisper in the ear, ear of the 20-year-old Tony and just give him a few words of advice um, or you wish someone had given you as a 20-year-old, what would it be? Mm, that's an interesting one because um, by 20, I was um, journaling um, regularly and so I was really digging deep into into my thinking and and trying to um find my way and what was important to me i mean there's a lot of writing about girls and and uh, all of the you know the, the the lay of the land of the day but w within that there was a, um, quite an exploration of of my of my um beliefs and and values and what i wanted to accomplish in life so um, I'd be saying, keep doing that because that, um, that will get you to, to where you want to get to. Um, when I talk to my friends from high school, uh, one of my mates, he, he just scratches his head and he goes, I, I know that kid in school, how the hell did you end up doing what you were doing? And it, it just, he cannot for the life of him think that that, that, um, high school kid, um, transformed, um, in such a way to be, um, extremely positive, focused, um, and wanting to accomplish a lot. And it really came from that, that real quest to understand as much as I could about myself and about others and about communicating. Um, and, and so I just, just keep doing that because that, that's where, that's where it all lies. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated, Tony. I'm a big journaler and I feel like journaling connects me to my inner sage, you know, when I'm stewed up about something or I'm, you know, I'm kind of wrangling with some emotions that are, you know, I, I'm not in my necessarily feeling overly positive or purposeful. I find journaling therapeutic, um, but also empowering. I'm curious when you journal, what is it from journaling that you're tapping into? Well, it's been many years since I've done it. Um, because I've been so busy, but I guess through business, you're constantly writing, you're constantly um, imagining. I probably do more um, thinking and talking these days, um, but I do value when I do get stuck, if my wife and I have had a huge argument or something and I just need to get everything down, I've got to just type it out. I've got to get it out of my system. Um, so I, I know the value of, of, um, the, the written word versus the thought word um, to just get some clarity and also inner peace and, and say the things quite often I've written stuff and then just hit the delete button um, because I just needed to see it written, which was really helpful, but then I didn't need to hold on to that. I could just let it go. So, um, but at that younger age, um, what I found was um, is that the words trying to write the words down and then and then coming up with what I wanted to say was super um, critical to to finding the answers and finding um, different angles and, and 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 processing what whatever was going on for me. So uh, yeah, probably I would benefit from doing it more um, or continue to do it, but um, but it's not as once I started working for myself, which is twenty five years ago. 
was probably less. I did a lot more personal development on my, so I did a lot of personal development workshops over the years too. And through those courses, they, you get to write a lot of down and challenge. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, not that I've had coaching, but working with people like yourself or talking to people like yourself, it's, 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 um, it's, that's really helped a lot. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fascinating. And okay. Last question for you, Tony. Um, what, what's, what's, your most inspiring vision uh, for your future? What is it that inspires you? Well, it's very, very family centric. Um, uh, oddly enough, uh, given the business and everything else going on with Booktopia, but um, uh, so I'm 58 today. So there's, oh, there's happy birthday. No, no, 58 uh, was it last oh. month, but 58, <laughs> I'm 58, I'm 58 <laughs> years old. Well, every day is a birthday, isn't it? So, um, <laughs> but 58, so another 15, 20 years of working um, and enjoying, enjoying work and, but having, you know, having family and the kids and my wife and, and, and being able to travel and, and meet people and speak to more public speaking. So, so there's a lot that I've accomplished that I set out to do. Um, with Booktopia uh, and and business, so um, it's a, I'm in a pretty good space today. But I can only imagine you know, there'll be more challenges, life challenges. And I mean, if you look at it on a, on a weekly basis, there we're always dealing with some you know some issue. There's something that needs to be handled. It's not like um, you've made it to to some glorious. Um, valley where you can just do nothing and relax and everything <laughs> is taken care of that um, that kind of utopia um, is is only in your dream state um, it doesn't work out in reality unfortunately so so yeah so for me it's just it's doing more of what what I've been doing of the last 10-15 years awesome 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 mm. well I um I, I okay one last final question Go on. What are you most what 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 are you most proud of with Booktopia? Um, see, the thing is, I always give people a tour of the building when they come here, and we walk around, and it's massive automation, robots, and, wow. and tons of staff, and everything. And as we were kind of walking back towards the entrance, they always say, "Oh, you must be so proud." And I I say to them, my definition of of pride is that in a in a pitch black room where you can't even see the hand in front of your face that when you take a step forward you know yourself whether you're on track or off track so it's that sense of knowing that um that's where that's where so when we listed on the asx in december of 2020 it was um a lot of those questions but it's just like on track off track on track off track and it's just a great sense of of internal pride versus anything that's external but from a from an external perspective uh, it's been very transformational for a lot of people who've been on the journey so those that got to say hey i'll i'll work for you or even i bought from you um or people who voted for us in in in, in um awards or it's there's a there's a sense of of um belonging that people have with booktopia in terms of in terms of their employment or in terms of being a customer 
Um, I mean, we've stuffed up a lot along the way as well as any company does. It's about how you react to those stuff ups, not what you what you did. But um, a lot of people have joined Booktopia and then gone on to do incredible things beyond that. So they used us as a platform to develop their career. And I think that's that's one of the things that I actually set out to do. And so therefore, therefore there's a lot of pride in that. When someone comes in and resigns, um, I go, wow, where are you going next? Because if you don't want to be here, then you're going to be going somewhere incredible. And it's that yeah. sense of being a, that conduit for, for people awesome. to shoot through and pop out the other side. Uh, what an awesome, what an awesome culture you've created when you've got that. It's all about just growing people, you know, just they're on their way to somewhere. We're all on our way to somewhere, but you know, it's in a kind of an abundance mindset. So kudos to you. <laughs> Thanks, Maggie. So we've had Maggie Worrell on the show, the author of, and I should read them all out. You've got this, which has been out just in the last few months. And the new version of Stop Playing Safe is is about to, well, actually, we have it already in stock here in Australia. So it's already come out. It was Did you say it was an August release? Uh, yes, I believe. It's not yeah. out in the US yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Australia is better. So we got it first. Um, and <laughs> then do. And Brave and Make make Your Mark and, and congrats, Margie, on such an incredible um, life and journey and that you've been able to distill that down into into words so the rest of us can can take advantage of of all your your life lessons and we wish you very well in the future thanks for coming on the show it has been a pleasure to talk to you thanks for having me thank you for listening to the booktopia podcast channel don't forget you can subscribe to us on SoundCloud and iTunes for free and get access to hundreds of author discussions, book analysis pieces, and more. Or if your eyes need a workout, head to Booktopia TV on YouTube. Don't forget, for all books featured in this podcast and for access to a whole bunch of other fun content on our blog, head to Booktopia, Australia's local bookstore at booktopia.com.au.